Good morning. Good evening. It feels like morning. Looking at the sky, looking at the world around me, with open eyes, finally has been nice. Difficult, but nice. Good. It still feels like morning to me, even though night has fallen, since I woke up recently. I woke up to the fact that my forest was under threat. I woke up to the careless and bumbling hunters who found their way here. Predatory. Disrespectful. Full of want, but not hunger. Contempt, and not care. The kind of human that cannot see just how far they've lost what originally gave them their humanity and tries to find it again and again and again in conquest, destruction, tearing down and dishonoring everything in order to build back up in their own honor only. Much of our world has been built by people such as this, but that does not make them right. We can build things and tear things down, too. So don't you fear. The world can change as often as we can. I will spend no more time describing these visitors. This is my world, and I shall defend it from those who seek to do harm. A window opened into showing someone my new face. I was wrong to think that I would be something close to a butterfly. I am no butterfly. I am a spider. Not entirely, of course. I am mostly spirit and human, as I always have been. I have not seen my own reflection yet, but I don't think it matters. Though I probably only really have... Two eyes, maybe. I can see more than I ever have before. I can see so much. I feel myself blink with eyes I never knew I had. Though I probably only really have two arms, two legs, I can feel myself reaching with phantom arms that I can feel the lack of. I can feel myself bounding and stretching an extra set of legs, too. There they are, in my shadow, even if they're not on my body. My shadow has eight limbs, and it is this shadow that whisks me through my forest faster than I've ever gone. You know something. Spiders are nothing to fear. I always thought of them as creatures that defended my house from insects who mean me harm. When you live with more harmful insects, you come to really appreciate the spiders, you know. Now, I am the spider who must defend my own house. Spinning silently and cleverly a beautiful shining web, they walked right into it, you see for they were not even really looking where they were going. And no one knows these woods as well as I do. 
I weave my fine webs with my spindles of fingers, like a horrific and glorious hybrid of Ariadne and a deadly black widow spider. Care and protection, defense and attack all in one. When they could not move their arms or their legs, so stuck were they in the shining, gleaming stuff my fingers deftly spun from my long, billowing sleeves. I knew I had them. I showed these hunters my new face, before even I saw it. Roaring with teeth that are long and pointed again, my old friends, you've come back. I showed them my face. I emerged from the shadows, where I like to be, and I let the light shine on my new self, strong and rested and furious. I like being in the light, too. I like being what I feel. This is how I feel today. I saw the fear of death that grips this type of human all too closely. For I think it is that fear of death itself that causes people to grasp and grasp and grasp more than they are entitled to. How else will they know that they are the center of the universe? When I spoke to them, I sat before them on the ground, and I gently and casually began to shuffle my cards. Hush, vicious, funny little things. Stop your shouting. I don't eat cockroaches. You needn't be so afraid. You need only listen. I shuffled my cards, asking my tarot deck in my heart what message I had to share this week. I kept it to this simple question, thinking I have an opportunity with these mean human strangers. A fine opportunity indeed. What message must I give them? And you, dear listener, and myself, what message must we all share this week? The Eight of Pentacles Mastery Education Dedication Hard work Progress Staying the course Spending time and effort to hone one's skills And using them to manifest what it is you desire To complete what it is you wish to accomplish all eight of these coins are in perfect balance on this card. They aren't going anywhere. Your collection is growing. Take this time to learn, to grow, to gain command over yourself. I showed these strangers, the ones caught in my web, this card. This is for you. I told them, I placed it down in front of me, but reversed so they might see the perfect balance the eight pentacles could find when one just expanded one's mind enough. Since I feel busy and a little aggressive, perhaps, I cannot stop moving my hands, for I am a spider now, and I am constantly weaving magic. I began to weave with my long fingers like knitting needles, my fine silver thread. 
like a grandmother at a fire. I am telling them, and you, a little story for the Eight of Pentacles. A story for changing the way things have always been done. A story to be a window into the way things could be. There was once a creature who lived in a very dark and awful place. You might call it hell if you like. I don't like to use that word because it is very limiting and loaded all at once. But if you were to imagine what a hell might look like, you might imagine it with this place. A dark, dark place. A place that is only either very, very cold or far too hot, depending on what exact terrible location here you find yourself in. On the wind rang the voices of thousands crying out in pain, in anger, in hatred, in suffering, in sorrow, in longing. In the air hung the stench of blood, sweat, and tears. Not a thing grew from the ground, not a drop of water to be found anywhere, no sunlight, for it seemed that miles and miles overhead, one could barely see it, but there was a roof to this place. It was, in essence, an extremely large cave, a cave the size of countries, unending and unchanging. The creatures who lived here were different from us, and we might find them frightening. We should. They often visited our world in order to wreak havoc, to create mischief, though it was most often frowned upon. Mostly, they were supposed to stay right where they were. They were meant to stay there and work, work, work. All day, all night. Rest if you can here and there if you're able. Sneak a bite of food. Sing a song if you can possibly imagine what one sounds like. But otherwise, work. Or else you are worth nothing. That was what they were told, and that is what they lived, toiling in the freezing cold or the brutally hot, not looking up at each other, not even once. You might be asking yourself, however, if this is hell, where are the wicked? Where are the punished? Keep this question in your mind. I haven't much to say about this place other than all that. I am more interested in the creatures who lived here. One 
in particular. I cannot call him young because time didn't exist in this place and it probably exists nowhere anyway. But I can call him curious. Even despite the exhaustion of the work. Even despite the darkness overhead. Even despite the terrible cold and the awful hot. He was curious about this strange work. This work that always had to be done and yet never got anything finished, actually. This work that did not improve this vast underworld, nor the lives of the exhausted community within it. This work that never amounted to anything other than no time to think, no time to wonder, no time to be curious. But this creature realized no time for anything meant no time at all. And so, he thought, and he thought, and he thought. This feels wrong, he thought to himself. Everything here feels wrong. It wasn't the painful white horns growing from the bone in his skull protruding through the barely-healed skin and pointing up and then behind him. It wasn't the way his forked tongue caught against his sharp, black fangs. It wasn't his tail, its tip catching itself frequently in the little fires that peppered the landscape, sometimes instantly and randomly. It was the whole thing. There must be more than this. This is wrong. He spent a hundred years thinking about this while he worked. It would not do to be too hasty about a subject so big as this. And one day, he was thinking, and thinking a little too much, for he had stopped working. He didn't notice as the axe fell from his hands. It fell to the ground with a great clatter that resulted in a symphony of irritated cries. Though it drew attention to him and his punishment was the silent contempt of his peers, it was worth it, for in his momentary distraction he saw a tiny little crack in a wall that had a little trickle of sunlight peeking through it. I must follow it, the creature from the underworld said to himself, and so he did. It was odd that the sunlight found its way so deep below. But it did seem to find its way to him, because it always finds its way to help those who are looking to learn. He followed the little crack through tunnels, through deserted pathways, up and up and up, to a hastily made, barely hanging in there rope ladder. And it climbed up to a little dirt chamber, a tiny dirt chamber, almost like a rabbit hole, somewhere a rodent would burrow. Not that our curious hero knew what a rodent was. And there was a little wooden door waiting for him. Light entered in through the cracks in it, already causing him to shield his sensitive red eyes from the light. But he opened the door and saw...
the world. Our world. This very one. Here. And he looked at it. And knew. It was a paradise. He marveled at the beauty of the trees. The sound of the birds. The smell of the wind. And when he looked at his own face in the reflection of a babbling brook. Though he had his awful horns and teeth and eyes and tail, and though he was almost translucent from never being outside in centuries, he was not quite as awful as he thought he'd be. Actually, he thought he looked quite lovely. He heard a shout somewhere close by, a human cry, and he knew he could not be seen like this. He heard another several screams coming from his little rabbit hole he'd emerged from. He had to go back. He wasn't ready, he had to go back. So he crawled back down, deep, deep, deep below. He snuck back to his position. No more chopping today. Now it was time for writing, repeating, scribbling. Grueling hours sitting at a desk. Different work, but still it was the work. As he returned to the work, he couldn't help but notice several of his peers looking up at him. They had noticed his absence. He hadn't thought they would. He avoided their gazes. But if he hadn't, he would have seen something akin to wonder. Maybe even admiration. Most importantly, possibly, curiosity. Partly because he had been gone so long, but also because he held his head a little bit higher, and he was smiling. A hundred years passed, and he worked and he worked and he worked, but he kept his smile, because he had something wonderful and something secret, and it lit him up from the inside. One day, when he was heading to his rooms after a long day of work, 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 this time washing, scrubbing with chemicals and tools, various things and places, he was distracted again by a little streak of sunlight, entering from who knows where pointing to a little tunnel he'd never lifted his head long enough to notice on his tired walk home. But he had to honor that little sunlight, especially now. And so he did. He followed it through paths, through chambers, through tunnels, and the cries of his hometown and the burning smell slowly dissolved behind him. And he found another little rope ladder, he climbed this one up and up and up. And this time, he found himself not in a little rodent's home, not in our nature, our world, but instead in an old, dusty, abandoned library. How much time passed where he read of far-off places, of amazing people, of things that he knew could never exist in his world, things that he could never have 
not in his strange underworld that made no sense either, but was all that he had. That is, until he'd followed the tunnel and seen the other world, and seen his own face, and read about other creatures, other places, other ideas. How much time passed, do you think? He didn't know. He didn't count. But when he crawled back home and went back to work, everyone's eyes were on him. Everyone looked at him, fear and concern in their eyes, for they knew his punishment could not possibly be overlooked now. Now it was all up for him. There was no punishment they knew for abandoning one's position for so long. But when he returned to work, who cares anymore what the work actually was this time, he couldn't contain himself. He tried to stifle his complete glee, his utter joy, his overwhelming hope. He choked down a few laughs, a few sobs, but they still came up and out, rippling across the cave, all across the vast underworld country. His laughter spread, and all the cries of suffering, of anger, of hate, of whatever, stopped to listen. Now he was done for. Everyone knew it. His peers stopped working and watched, waiting. They were all fearsome, each with different colors, shapes and lengths of horns, tails, fangs, claws. They were all exhausted, each one of them having worked for century after century after century and doing nothing. They waited. No one came. No infernal torturer came to drag him away, screaming. No great giant spectral hand plucked him up and tossed him in a dungeon. No ominous-looking guards wearing black came to silence him. No one's coming, one of them said, her voice incredulous. He just laughed harder. just us. It's only been just us this whole time, another one answered. And those two voices raised up with the first and also laughed. Not everyone did, mind you, but that's all right. These things often take time. They just followed the sunlight up and up and up, as our horned hero and those who dared follow his example did. They would realize that the sun was always up there, just waiting to show them their own faces and each other's. 
Now, my angry little flies stuck in my web. Come back to the here and now. And you, my dear friends listening, rest assured that they are safe. In fact, I have knitted my web all up in this very soft blanket before me, shining and radiant. They could have left minutes ago, really. I wouldn't have stopped them. Let me speak with them a moment. My angry little flies stuck in my web. Why have I told you this? Because you were given the Eight of Pentacles, the chance to learn and to listen. So I told you a story about learning what it is you want to walk away from. And also, a story about learning what it is that truly makes you what you are. Is this what you are? One has simply run away, screaming and crying. I understand. I'm frightening. One stayed long enough to scream at me, point a finger right in my face, consider striking me, but run away instead, cursing the whole way. But one waited for a long time and took several deep breaths. He looked at me. He looked at the blanket I held in my hands after folding carefully, knit from the delicate web I caught them in. He looked up at the sky, now night, and how clear the stars were, especially in the darkness of the new moon. And he didn't need to apologize, for I could see he couldn't really figure out how to. He just had to look for a second, a little bit deeper. Can I come back? He whispered. Of course, I answered and handed him the blanket. I watched him leave the forest, and he did not run. He walked back, slowly, taking his time, and I ensured his safe passage the entire way through. This is my home. You are welcome, as long as you enter with respect, for my home, for me, for others, and for yourself. My kind friend who stayed with me for this conversation, ever listening, ever present. Thank you for being here with me when I woke up. If it is time for you to rest now, let yourself do it, and the sun will return tomorrow. Good night, my friend. Sleep well.
everybody. Thank you so much for listening to episode 136 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is Kristen Saza. I'm the show's writer, host, producer, performer, etc. Team of one behind the show. How are you tonight? Or today? Or whatever time it is? Are you well? Are you calm? Are you happy? I hope so. I would like to first send a big thank you to a wonderful listener, Rennie Allen, who sent us several metaphorical coffees through coffee.com this week. Thank you so very much, Rennie. I'm always so grateful for your support and encouragement. It means the world to me. If you would like to support in a similar way, you can also make a one-time donation in the form of coffee by visiting my coffee.com page at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Another great way to support the show is to become a patron through Patreon.com, where every monthly Patreon supporter receives access to On a Dark Cold Night's ever-growing soundtrack. You can check it out at Patreon.com slash DarkColdNight. And I've also got t-shirts and hoodies available for purchase at Bonfire.com slash On-A-Dark-Cold-Night, too. I would like to also send a big warm thank you to iTunes listener Stella Cord from the U.S. Stella Cord left a very sweet five-star review for the show, and I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you're enjoying the show, too, and are looking for a free way to support, you can also leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It would really help us out. By us, I mean me. I'd also love it if you followed me on social media. I'm on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night. Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, and on my Facebook and YouTube pages just called On a Dark Cold Night. Thank you so much for listening once again, my friends. This was a little bit of a different kind of episode, but I suppose I say that so often we're probably all getting tired of it, so instead I'll just say again, thank you. Look up and find the places you can climb. And help others to climb, too. We can all do this together. Sweet dreams, my friends. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.